Okay, good morning. Um, today's daf is daf Yud Tes. We're going to go from the Mishnah towards the bottom of Yud Ches Amud Beis 18b. Today's Shir is Le'ilu Nishmas, Ben Sion Ben Ze'ev Avram Alevi, Yirmiyahu, Ben Yehuda Yeta, Bas Harab Yosef, and Yehudit Ida Bas Shmuel. May their memory be a blessing and may their Neshamas have an Aliyah. It's also for Rafur Shleim of Ruvain Ben Leah. May you have a complete and speedy recovery. Um, to d- yes, Dennis. I can't hear Dennis. Ilunishmas Ruvain Peretz. I don't know if it's for Ilunishmas. We generally do the father's name. We're not sure of it. Um. Okay, and then regarding the Sfiris Omer, it's the Lagba Omer, a very special day in the calendar. Hayom Shloshim Ushloshi Yom Shahim Arba Ashwurz Vachamisha Yomim Ba Omer. Okay, so the new Mishnah, again, we're carrying on with the uh, Avoida, so we're finishing off with the seven days, and it says Mosrua, this still seems to be each of the seven days. Mosrua Zikne Beisdin Zikne Kahuna. Um, on the seven days, the elders of the Beisdin who were teaching him the Seder, the Sanhedrin, would hand him over to the sages, the elderly, the elders of the Kohanim. And they took him to the of Tinos, that's one of the chambers just off the courtyard of the Beis Migdash. And they would make him take a shvua, and then they would leave and let him go in the of Tinos. As we'll see, the Kohen Godel was placed in of Tinos to learn uh, how to do spe- the specific avoider was the chaf- the chafina. It was a very difficult avoider when he went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He was holding the pan with the incense in and he had to somehow get the incense from the pan without putting it down into the palms of his hands and he's not allowed to spill any. So it's some a strange uh, motion like that, whatever, without dropping in two handfuls. So that was one of the most complex avoiders. So he would practice that um, in Beis Avtinos. Um, now it says, what was the shvur they made him take? So Omrulloy, the sages, would say to him, Ishi koin godol, anei shluchi beizdin, va'ato shluch, shluchonu v'shliach beizdin. He says, our master, the koin godol, we are messengers for the beizdin and you are our messenger. V'shliach beizdin and a messenger for beizdin. Mashbim onu alecho, we make you, we adjure you to take an oath. Based on the one who dwells in this house. That you don't change any of the details that we've, ta- that we've taught you. He would separate and cry and they would separate and cry. And just two points that the Gemara is going to touch on is or discuss. One is why would they depart and cry after making him take the Shvua? And secondly... Um, just in the Shvur, what does it mean? You're our messenger. Is the Kain Godel doing the Avoid on his ba- on behalf of us or on behalf of Hashem? So that will touch on um, touch on late in the Gemara. Then it says, now we go on to what would the Kain Godel do the night of Yom Kippur? Remember, we mentioned we don't want him to sleep on the night of Yom Kippur in case he sees the Kerry. And so it says, so, if the Kohen Godel himself was a Talmud Chacham, he would 
give a drosha, give a halachic shir, that would keep him awake. Ve'im lav, tamilei chachomim donshim lafonov. If he wasn't great enough to give the shir, they would give uh, the shir before him. They would expound the matters of the Torah before him. Ve'im rogel likros koire. If he was able to read novi, then he would read novi. Ve'im lav, koirin lafonov. If not, they would read to him. Now, by my koirin lafonov, what parts of novi would they read to him? So he said, Be'iov or Be'ezra with Eov uh, and Ezra over Divra Yomim, Divra Yomim, and Zachariah ben Kavutel, I'm a Zachariah ben Kavutel, says, Pam Harbe Korisi Lefono by Daniel, I often read before him in Daniel. I, it seems it's not so specific what to read for him, but Rashi points out these were things that he would find interesting and engaging. Right, so some of the more interesting parts of Novi, they would read that, and that would keep him awake during the Yom Kippur night. Okay, now let's go on to the Mishnah, to, to the Gomorrah, top of your test, and with Aleph. Um, the Gomorrah wants to know, um, this is, why did they go to Beis Avtinos? So that's, I mean, I explained it in the Mishnah, but Tana Lelamto Chafina, to teach him Chafina. And Omar Apopash, now we're going to go for the next, for the rest of the Amud, you need to have a good picture of the Beis Amidash, so I don't know if you have one in front of you. Most of the Gomorrahs have. I think Art Scroll has one right in the beginning. I'm not sure Koren, but I'm sure they have. Um, but it's very useful. But basically, it says... Um, so, Omar Papa Rapopa says, Shtei Lishko is how you look in Godol. Achas Lishkas Parhedrin, Achas Lishkas Beis Avtinas. There were two chambers, I don't want to say belonging to the Kohen Godol, that the Kohen Godol used. One was the Parhedron, that's what we've been learning about, where he stayed overnight in the Beis Amidah during those seven days. And the other one was Lishka's Beis Avtinos, the Beis Avtinos where he used to learn, the, learn about the Avoidah. Achas Betzofon for Achas Bedoram, one was in the north and one was in the south. So just, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I'll use this the whole time, but if you look, that's the north, one was in the south, so we're saying that the one chamber, we'll discuss in more detail, was up here in the north. And the other chamber was um, down here in one of these uh, in the south. Um, then it says, Achas Betzofon. The one was in the north. The Tran, as we learned in a Mishnah. Vov Lishkos Hoyu Ba'azora. There were six chambers in the courtyard. Again, when we discuss the Azora, remember when you have the whole picture on my right hand, this one here, this courtyard is the Ezra's Noshim. It's not really part of it's it's more holy than Temple Mount, but it's more Temple Mount than actual Beis Hamikdash. If you look um, where my left hand is holding the top of the page, this is the Chotzer. When we talk about the Chotzer or the Beis Hamikdash, that's generally what we're referring to. So the again the Ezra's Noshim is part of it, but it's not the exact same as this part of the Beis Hamikdash. Um so here we're saying that there are three gates in the there are six gates, three in the north and three in the south. Um, so now it says um, Shebedorom, what were the gates in the south? Oh, sorry, chambers, not gates, chambers. There were six chambers in the north and six chamber, uh, three in the north and three in the south. In the north, in the south, there was the Lishkas Hamelach, the Parva, and the Medichin. 
That's where they would keep the melach, the salt for the korban. All the korbanas that were put on the mizbech had to be um, completely covered in salt. So they obviously used quite a lot of salt, so they had a chamber to keep the salt there. Um, I think also often these chambers get a name for one of the uses. It might have had another use, but at least its primary use or one of its uses was to keep the salt. Lishkas parva. What's the lishkas parva? Shashem hoyu moilichin oiris kodjim. There they would salt the hearts of the sacrifices for al gaga hoiso based tefillah. And on its roof was a mikveh. The koin godol be for the koin godol to use on Yom Kippur. Um... Just before we go further, oh, let's just read one. Lishkas hamidichim. What's the chamber of rinsing? Sham hoyu meidichim karve kodshim. There they would rinse the innards of the kodshim. Now, just uh, let's just go back to the parva. Parva, it got its name. The Gemara later on will say, why does it, where does it get its name from? The person who built it or designed it. And the Gemara asks, but wait, parva there, the Gemara says that parva was a amakushi, he was a sorcerer. Now it sounds very, uh, what's the word, very distasteful to name. Well, we know Hashem really doesn't like sorcery and witchcraft. So why would you name the chamber that, um, the chamber after, granted he might have built it. I mean, I guess we can even ask why would you let him build it. But why would you let name the chamber after a sorcerer, a witch? And not only that, the Meiri goes a step further. He said he created it with sorcery. Whatever the structures and the mechanisms that were in this chamber, this mikveh, he created with sorcery. And how could that? How could you use sorcery to build the base of Migdash? So the one on the Meiri says it must be that he did tshuva. He was a sorcerer, and then he did tshuva, and that's why, as we know, if someone's done tshuva, well, then they're completely pious. The second answer given. Um, Sorry, sorry, it's the it's Ravavadja Mimbartanuru who says it was created through sorcery. And the Tiferis Israel explains it's not really sorcery. It was just brilliant, brilliant architecture and engineering that it looked like sorcery. You know, you see some things in work and you say, wow, that must be magic. You know, like a, a microwave that heats up your food through magic. So that's what he's saying. Yeah, that room was built with magic. It was a masterpiece in engineering. Um, okay, so that's the base of Parva. Um, and then another question is, didn't we learn a few pages ago that there were special tables in the courtyard to rinse the innards? So they explained that, no, to get the like, food and the waste out the innards, they used to go into the side room, the Lishkas, um, Lishkas HaMedichim. Once they were removed all that stuff, then they would take it to the tables and rinse it properly before they would put it on the Mizbeach. Umisham, and then it says, Umisham Mesiba, from there, so in the Lishkas Hamedich, Umisham Mesiba, Oile Lagag Beis Parva. there was a, a circular staircase that would go on to the roof of the Beis Parva. And remember, the Lishkas Beis Parva had this mikvah on top for the Kohen Godel. Now, Gimel Shebet Sofon, the three chambers in the north, Lishkas Ha'etz, Lishkas Ha'goyle, Lishkas Ha'gozes. It was the chamber of wood, the chamber of the exile, and the chamber of hewn stone. Lishkas Ha'etz, Omer Ben Yaakov Shechachti Ba'hoi So B'Shameshes. 
Rabbi Lazar Ben Yaakov says, I'm not sure what the, I, this is the standard opinion in Midas, I'm not sure what it was used for. Abishol Omer Lishkas Godol Yeah, before we get to Abishol, um, others say, um, so he forgot, yeah, so he wasn't sure what the Lishkas Ha'etz was used for. Abishol Omer, Abishol says, Lishkas Kohen Godol the chamber of the Kohen Godol. And now we know there are two chambers of the Kohen Godol. Either it's the base of Tinos or the Lishkas Parhedrin. We're behind these two chambers. Either chamber of the exiles and the chamber of the Lishkas Akozis. The Gag Shloishtam Shove and the roof of three of them was equal. I think that, that there's two possibilities. Either it means that the, the roof of the three of them, it was one roof. Or that they were all on the same heart. As we'll see, different chambers had different hearts, but these three all had the same heart. Now is Elishkas Akoileh? Well, firstly, why was it called the Chamber of the Exiles? So the Rashi brings because it was named after the exiles who came and built it. What's strange about that is the whole base of Midash was built by exiles. They were returning exiles. Okay. So So this is a better translation for it, not the exile. There was a well... Um, that the, sorry, why was it called Lishkas Hagoyle, the chamber of the exiles? Bor Hagoyle. It was a bore that the a, a, a well that the exiles dug for Hagildo Nosen Olov, and there was a wheel on top of it. And from there they would provide water to the whole Azora, to the whole courtyard. Lishkas Hagozis, what was the Lishkas Hagozis? This is a very uh, Famous one, Shom Hoyo Sanhedrin Shal Yisrael Yosheves. That's where the Sanhedrin of Yisrael stood, either Supreme Court. Yosheves Vedan, they would Vedana Es Hakohanim. They would judge the Kohanim. Are they apostle or kosher to go into the Mizbech? Umishenim. Um, very interesting. It seems to be saying obviously they were the Supreme Court, and as we know, any case that couldn't be resolved by a lesser court or major issues. There were certain cases like the Egla Rufa that only the Sanhedrin could do um, were dealt there. But it seems their primary job was every new Kohen who came to serve in the base of Midash, they had to investigate whether he was a kosher Kohen. What was his Yichus? Because remember, there are lots of things that if an ancestor of a Kohen did, it could invalidate him. Um, if the father married a divorced woman, um, etc. A whole list of uh, people that uh, reasons that a kohen might not be valid to serve, and not only that, there's so many blemishes that if a kohen has, he can't serve. Now, Umisha Nimsabopsul, someone who has found that his family, that there were issues in his family line, and therefore he can't serve in the temple. He would wear black clothes and wrap himself in black and leave. If no invalidation was found in him, he would get up and wrap himself in what? He would then enter and serve with his brothers, the Kohanim. Then we said, so now we've discussed that there were these two chambers of the Kohen Godel, one in the north, one in the south, and we listed the chambers there. So he says, one was in the south, the Tnan. As we, how do we know the one chamber of the Kohen Godel, either the Lishkas Parhedrin or the base of Tinos? He says, Shiva, Sha'orim Hoyu Ba'azora, Gimel, Betsofon, Vegimel, Bedorom, Ve'echod, Bemizrach. There were seven chambers, seven gates into, this temp, into the temple courtyard. Three in the north, three in the south, and one in the east. Shebedorom, Sharhat Leka, 
Heading from west to east, it seems that the first one was Sharad Laika. That's where the fire one. Rashi says he doesn't know what it is for, but other Rishonim says where they would carry in the wood for the Marocha. Okay, so that's the Sharad Laika. Then there's the Shara Korban. Seems that's where they would bring in the Korban Tomid. Or another explanation given is it's where Avram entered to offer Yitzchak. When Avram went into the base of Midash for Rakedis Yitzchak, he went in through this room. Um, and the third one we said was Sharamayim, the gate of water that way on Sukkot. The only time that they made the special water libation was carried in through that gate. Sheba Mizrach in the east, Shar Nikanor was the Shara Nikanor. That was the main entrance into the temple. There were two chambers on either side of that, of the Shar Nikanor, one on the left and one on the right. Achas Lishkas Pinchas Amalbish. The one chamber was the chamber of Pinchas, the one who dresses the Kohanim. Uh, he was the, I don't know what, the butler. He would make sure that all the Kohanim had the right clothes and the right size, and he would help them get dressed when they were going into the, to the Avoida, and undressed when they were leaving from the Avoida. Achas Lishkas Oisei Chavitim, and the other one was the chamber where they made the Chavitim. The Chavitim was a special mincha that the Kohen Godel offered every day, and it was also every Kohen on the first day that they were serving, they would offer this Chavitin. So there's a special room where they used to make those. Shebet Sofon, what were the gates in the north of the courtyard? Shar Nitzos, um, the gates of the rays. It says, It was like an Achsadra, a porch. It was only closed on three sides and the front was open. And there was a... Second story built on top of it. From there, the Kohanim would guard on the top, the Levim and the Levim on the bottom. Remember, the Beis Hamidash, even when it wasn't under threat from invasion, it was a mitzvah to have Kohanim and Levim guarding it out of respect. You have uh, the king always has guards stationed around him out of respect. So the Kohanim, it seems that they would reach the, the ramparts. To God on top of the base, the Chotzer from this room, um, and then just change the gears a little bit. Oh, and then the Levim would guard on the on the floor. They would be on ground level. Says There was an entrance to the Chayol. Uh, the Chayol remembers the area between the lattice fence and the base of Midash. It's not. It's really Temple Mount. But rabbis made certain decrees that were stricter regarding the chayl. This chamber, it seems, the only entrance was through the chayl. Not from inside the temple courtyard, but from the outside, from the chayl. Then Shainilo, what was the second gate? Shara Korban, the gate of the Korban. Shlishilo, Shar, that every, all Kochei Kochim would be shechted in the north of the courtyard. So they'd bring it in through this northern gate. And the third gate was the Beis HaMoikad. Remember, we discussed the Beis HaMoikad at length um, two days ago. Uh, that was the one, the big room, which had the four rooms. And we were discussing the order. Where was each room in the northeast or the southeast, etc. That was, sorry, northwest or southwest was the, um, what's it, not the Lechem Aponim, the... Lishkas Teloim. Okay, but that was the Beis Hamoikad. But Tanya, and we learned in a Brisa, Chamesh Tevilos Va'asora Kiddush in Toivel Koen Kodol Umakadish Bo Bayom. We have a Brisa that the Koen Kodol on Yom Kippur would do five mikvahs and 
ten sanctifications. Sanctifications are where he washes his hands and feet. So he says, All of them were in the holy, on the base of parva, except for the first one that the Kohen Gadol would do, Al Gabe Sharamaim, which is in the mikveh that was on top of Sharamaim, Uvitsad Lishkas Hoiso. And it was next to the chamber of the Kohen Gadol. So just um, two points on this is. So there were two mikvahs on the Temple Mount, well, on the Beis Amigdash, in the structure of the Beis Amigdash. The one was above Sharamaim, and the one was above Beis Parve. Now, on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol had to go to mikvah, Uva Kodesh. The Pasuk says, Verochat es b'mokom Kodesh. The Kohen Gadol will go to mikvah in a holy place, in Mokom Kodesh. So the one mikvah... Um, so on, so on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol would go to the mikveh that was on Beis HaParva, which was in the Kodesh. The Beis HaParva was obviously more into the courtyard, so it was over holy space and was considered the Kodesh. So that's where the Kohen Gadol would go to mikveh, except for the first mikveh. There's a general rule that any Kohen Gadol going into the Beis HaMikdash, any person going into the temple courtyard had to go to mikveh. So when the Kohen Gadol gets up in the morning and he's going to go into the temple courtyard, he has to go to mikveh. So that one was not specific to Yom HaKippurim. And they're part of the the daily procedure. And therefore that one could be in the Chol and that one he would go to the mikveh that was on Shar HaMayim. So again, there were, yes, Mm. No, so, yeah. so I think, I mean, it seems that there were two reasons we didn't want to. We didn't want him to eat a big meal just before Yom Kippur because then he would doze on the night. And there were certain foods that we restricted him eating because they would bring on carry. So those were the main reasons. Then we did mention um, that he would eat certain foods that either made his uh, stomach work or constipated him so he wouldn't need the bathroom. But I don't know if that was a problem because of going to mikvah. I think that the problem was just that he's not distracted from his avoider of taking too much time off during the day because he needs to go to the bathroom. As we'll see, he definitely, and the Gomorrah takes for granted that he went to the bathroom before when he got up in the morning. Um, so it seems it wasn't specifically a problem of going to the mikvah. And as we saw, he had to go five times. Again, the first time was different to the others. The first time was above Shar HaMayim, which was a mikvah that was not in the Kodesh. It was in Chol, non-sacred part of the base of Midash. And that's the standard mikvah before anyone goes into the temple. They have to, into the Azorah, they have to go to mikvah. And then the other four, which were to do with changing his begotten between the linen clothes and the golden and the special aid clothes over, we'll learn about it more coming up. Um, the Kohen Godel Seder Hayom, when he would change his clothes and when he would go to mikveh, etc. But that's the, that's there he would go to the mikveh that was on Beis Parva. And now we said that it was mentioned, the Sharamayim, and it was n- next to 
his lishka, the coin goddles. Now we've mentioned at the top of the page, Rav Papa said there were two lishkas of the coin goddle. There was lishkas parhedron and beis avtinos. So this is beis parva. Sorry, the v'loy adani lishkas parhedron betzofon v'lishkas beis avtinos betorim. E lishkas beis avtinos betzofon v'lishkas parhedron betorim. And he says, I don't know. I'm not sure which one was in the north and which one was in the south. We know the coin goddle had these two rooms, the parhedron and the beis avtinos. Which one was in the north and which one was in the south? Mistavra, it's more logical to say the lishkas parhedron bedoram, that the parhedron was in the south. How about my timer? Why do I say that it's more logical? Again, he seems to be saying I'm not convinced that it was in the south, but to me it seems more logical that the lishkas parhedron, I, where the coin goddle slept, was in the south. What's the reason? Now, this, the answer is going to be based on the routine of the Kohen Godel during the seven days. It says, we could, He would get up and he would go and means go to the bathroom. Um, that was there. Most people in those days had a very routine bowel movement and it was often in the morning. So that's we take for granted that he went to the bathroom in the morning and then he would have to go to Mikvah. And now... This was obviously the mikveh before he went in the morning. So this was in the Shar Hamayim, which was in the south. Because remember we said before that one's not in the Kodesh. The one on the Parva was in the Kodesh. So he wouldn't be able to go into the Kodesh. It says, And then he would head to the north side, the base of Tinos. And he would learn Chafina. And then he would go into the Beis Amigdash and do the rest of the Avoida the whole day. Le Bahari Panya towards evening. Madu Oleo. They would sprinkle the Paraduma water on him. Remember we learned they do that all seven days. Maharar Ozil Adoram Vatovov. And then he would go to the south and go to Mikvah because now he's Tome from the Paraduma water. And Vanayach. And then he would go to rest for the night. If you're going to tell me that the Lishkas Parhedron was in the north, so, so what happens? He goes, he wakes up in the morning in his Parhedron, he goes to the bathroom and then he goes, he has to walk all the way around the base of Mikdash because he can't cut through the base of Mikdash to the south. Vitovil and go to Mikveh in the Shar Hamaim, which as we know is in the south. The Gomar Chafina. Then you'd have to learn Chavina. You would go into the temple and do the avoid of the whole day. And then towards evening they would sprinkle the Poraduma water on him and he'd have to go back to the south to go to the mikveh there. And then he's going to have to walk all the way around the base of Mikdash again to the north to... Uh, um, to the north and then he would go to rest. Alright, so what's happened? If you learn like this, Why would they make him go to such a mission? Again, the Shara mine we know is in the south, and that's the mikveh he has to go to first thing in the morning and first and last thing at night. Now remember, he's not allowed to cut through the base of Midash. Firstly, you're not allowed in the Azora in the morning. You're not allowed in the Azora before going to the mikveh. And secondly, you can't use the base of Midash as the shortcut. So what's he going to have to do here? He's going to wake up in the north, have to walk all the way around to go to the south to go to Mikvah. Okay, then he'll cut through and do, he'll go into the, also on the south base of Tinnus, learn to the Malocha, and then at night again, he's going to have to go, uh, go get sprinkled on, go to the south, and then walk all the way around from the south to the north to go to sleep. So he says, we wouldn't, it doesn't make sense that we make the Kohen God to work, walk, go to such a 
effort and therefore must be that the it was the other way around. The chamber where the Kohen Gadol slept, the Parhedron, was in the south. Again, and then it's near the mikveh that he has to go to first thing in the morning. He goes, does his holofoida, goes through the day, gets sprinkled on, goes to mikveh in the south, and goes to his room basically next door, much nearer. So, so the Gemara asks, is this Alam Allah? Why not? We should actually make him go to a huge amount of effort. Why do you tziduki have a lifrush? Because if he's a tziduka, we want him to be tziduki. We want him to be reluctant. If he's a kohen gadol who's a tziduki, they were again the people who didn't really believe in Chazal, in the words of Chazal and the Jewish traditions. They said they came to be Jews and keep the Torah, but they didn't really believe in um, Chazal and Jewish traditions. So he wouldn't have such yira. So if it was such a mission to be a kohen gadol. He'd say, like, why do I need this in my life? And he would leave it. Alternatively, so that he doesn't become arrogant. Because if you don't say that, we should actually put both chambers next to each other. Or let him just use one chamber. Aye, so it's almost this way, saying the other way is more logical. Firstly, for two reasons, we want to make sure the coin Godel works Hard, almost to discourage, to keep him humble. It's not an easy job. It's not just a royal position. It's also a responsibility. And then also, so that he, if he's not uh, devoted, if he doesn't have enough yiras shamayim, he's going to say it's not worth his while. But based and added to that is, if we didn't want to make him go to a mission, just put the two chambers of the coin goddle next to each other. Why have one on the north side and one on the south side? Okay, so there are two ways of looking at it. If I remember correctly, when how we, our structure of the base of Midash, if you look at the pictures, I must just share, let me see if I can see it quickly. Um, the Lishkas base of Tinos and the Lishkas of Parva are on the same side. So they obviously learn, um, that's how the Rambam comes out. That's how most of these pictures are. So if you'd analyze, there are other sources to say that they actually are in the, not one in the north and one in the south. They are both um, in the south. So that's quite, that's interesting. It's not how Algamora comes out, but it seems that that's how it is. Okay, now next point, um, new point. When the coin got all, when the coin does the voida, which the, now, the owner can't do the avoider. When you have to bring a Korman to the base of Midash, if you're not a Kohen, you can't do the avoider, so you give it to the Kohen. Now, the, in Nadorim, it discusses when the Kohanim do their avoider, are they agents on our behalf? I, I need to offer a Korban, but I can't do it because I'm not a Kohen, so the Kohen does it on my behalf. Or is he doing the avoider because Hashem wants the Korban and Hashem wants him to, so he's doing the avoider on Hashem's behalf. He's doing the temple service. And one ramification, this is why it fits in in the Dorim so well, is if you take a vow not to get benefit from a certain Kohen, can he offer the Korban on your behalf? If he's working as your agent and you're benefiting from him doing it, well then he can't. But if he's really working on Hashem's behalf, it's not on your behalf, even though there's a little bit of gain here, the primary thing is he has to do the korban because Hashem wants the korban done, then he could do it anyway. Okay, obviously there are other ramifications and there's more to go into, but let's see those points. So then they said, they told the Kohen Godel, we are your, you are, um, we are, um, oh, sorry, what was it? We're messengers of Beisdin and you are our messenger and, 
and the messenger of, of Beisdin. So it says, Lame Tavi Tuf to Rafuna Braid Rab Yeshua, the Omar Ravuna Braid Rab Yeshua, Hani Kwani Shlucha de Rahmaninu. This seems to reject the opinion of Ravuna Braid Rab Yeshua, who said that these Kohanim are agents of Hashem. Di Omar Shlucha di Daninu. Rabbuna Braid Rav Yeshua's reason for that is he says this regarding the halachas of shlichos is there anything that the person can't do that his shliach can do uh, this concept of shlichos is you doing something on my behalf or a person doing something on another person's behalf the general rule is that it has to be something that you can do and then this guy does on your behalf I'll just give you a simple example another just a Different case is, you can do Kiddushin to a woman. So you can ask someone to do Kiddushin on your behalf. Instead of you giving the ring and saying, you're married to me, you get your friend to give her the ring and say, you're married to, uh, to, you, um, to Ellie. So instead of me saying you're married, to, instead of me actually putting the ring on her finger and saying, Rakmu Kudesh Esli, you're married to Eli, I give it to my friend who says to her, you're married to Eli, if she, and if she accepts, it's a good Kiddushin. But that's because I could do it. If it's to someone I can't marry, just because it's someone my friend could marry, the Kiddushin won't work. You can't act as a Shliach on behalf of someone if they can't do it, that's a general rule regarding shlichos. So, so do you. Yeah. The Kohen Godel can't be acting as your shliach because you could not go into the Beis Amikdash and do that voider. So you can't say it's an aspect of his acting on your behalf because this concept of shlichos wouldn't apply there. So that's Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua. But this, um, again, this is a machloikes in the Dorim. The other opinion says, no, they are our messengers. So you have to look into, Tosfos discuss it a bit over here, but you have to look into how would that opinion work. But he says it must be from Al Gomorrah. We say that, not that they shluchay rachmonad. Kwanim aren't active on his behalf. We say, you're our mess. We're messengers of the Sanhedrin. You're our messengers and the messengers of Beisdin. It sounds like shluchim, you're working on on behalf, which rejects this opinion. So he says, no, he says, no, you could fit it in with Rav Huna Braid Rav Yeshua. And that is that we make you take the Shua based on our understanding and Beisdin's understanding. I, one of the ways of making someone take a Shua and making sure that they do it, I mean, obviously in their mind when they take the Shua, they can distort it and come up with all excuses and things like that. So what we do is you make them take a Shua based on Das Beisdin. I, whatever Beisdin want the intent of the Shua to be, that is the Shua. And that makes a lot less room to wiggle out of this oath that we make him take. Okay, um, so carrying on with the Mishnah, after making the Kohen Godel take a Shvua, who Poresh Ubochen, the Kohen Godel who took the Shvua would go and cry, and the people, the based in the Zakanim from the Sanhedrin who made him take the Shvua would also go and cry. So this is who Poresh Ubochen, now why did they make him take the Shvua? So we haven't discussed that yet, but the reason is, as we'll see, is we're concerned that he's a tziduki. So we make him take the Shvua that he'll follow every single detail according to how the sages interpret the Torah and not based on how the tzidukim um, interpret the Torah. So he would cry, why? Shechashdu tziduki, because they suspected him of being a tziduki. And they would leave and cry. Anyone who suspects kosher people 
will get struck down with his body. I mean, that's a very um, severe line, something to think about, that if you suspect someone of being evil, doing something wrong, there's a, and it's like a kosher person, there's some sort of uh, bodily affliction that, uh, that, they, that that person, this, the, the one who's choshed, deserves. Um, it sounds, I mean, in my mind, it sounds similar to the concept of Dan always judge people favorably. It sounds similar to that, but it seems more severe. Um, yeah. V'kol kach lama. Why did they make him take the shvur? What was this whole business about? So that he doesn't fix the the uh, sorry, so he doesn't fix the incense on the inside on the outside and then go into the Kodesh Hakadoshim. Basically, Rashi explains how we know the avoid. And again, this is our tradition. Remember, we have the oral Torah. We have the rules governing how to interpret it. And that's the sages are able to do and guard us. And again, also a lot of it's tradition going back to Moshe Rabbeinu. So that we know that the Kohen Godel takes the incense and the coals into the Kodesh HaKadoshim separately. And then he puts the incense on the coals. It's Edukim learned based on a pasuk which says that you aren't allowed to go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim because there's a cloud of Hashem there. They interpret it as... Um, they interpret it as you can only go in with a cloud. Eh? You must put the incense on the coals before you go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim and then go in. So that that's how the Tzidukim did it differently. I mean, interesting, it's a whole interesting thing to think about. You had these people who held themselves to agree to be Jews, the Tzidukim. They just disregarded the Oral Torah. But now, obviously, you ha- at, whenever you're reading the Chumash, at some level you have to be interpreting it. So we're very lucky. We have a tradition going back from Hashem, what we would call the Oral Torah, of firstly specifics in the Chumash, how to interpret them, and also the Yud Gimel Midos, the tools to interpret the Torah. So we have a set structure and a framework, and Chazal explained it to us, and our Rabbein explained it to us, how to interpret the written law. But the Tzidukim, well they say they have a system and that they don't follow Chazal, but all it means is that they randomly interpret it to suit them. Because if there's no rules, there's no set thing, how do you know to read the Pasuk in one way versus the other way? They just choose. So, uh, but that was um, the Tzidukim, as we see, the Tzidukim, especially in the time of the Second Temple, were very, very, I don't know, I don't know if the word is widespread and or powerful, but they were a, a major sect of Jews. So, uh, let the Gemara carry on with the story of the Tzidukim. It says, um, there was a case where Tzeduki managed to do this. It seems before the Shur was instituted. He set out, he put the incense on the coals before he went into the uh, before he went into the Kodesh Kodashim. That and he was very, very happy when he left. So Pogaba of his father, who was also Tziduki Omar even though we're Tzedukim, Misyorin Onuminaprushim, we still have to be afraid of the Pirushim. Ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that. The Perushim, I think it's generally translated as Pharisees. But the Perushim were the were uh, traditional Jews. How, uh, I, I, it's, it's hard to say, but as we would say, as history uh, revealed, um, the traditional Jews, what we would call 
and what we would call Jews, unlike the Tzidukim, who were the heretic. It says, Omar loy kol He says, the son said to the father, you know, I used, this pasuk used to bother me a lot. He says, Ki ba'anan ere ala I will appear before, well, literally, I will appear in a cloud on the kapoires. Omarti, I said, but how did the Tzidukim interpret it? That you must appear before the kapoires, before the... And the lid of the iron with a cloud, I with the incense already burning. He says, he said to his father, he says, I always worried about this pasuk. When will I get an opportunity to fulfill it correctly as us Sidukim interpreted? And he said to him, and he says, and now you're going to tell me I shouldn't have done it. Says They said about him, sorry, Omru. They said until he died and he was left in a, in a rubbish heap and and the worms crawling out of his nose some say as he left he was struck down Rabbi Chia said they heard a certain sound of they heard a specific sound in the Azora Malach and they knew from that sound that an angel had come there it smashed him in the face. The Tziduki, the Nichnas Kaf Regel Ogul and they found a round shoulder, a round foot mark between his shoulders. Shenemar, as the Apostle says, Baraglayim Regel Yeshara Kaf Regleim Kaf Regel Ogul. Their leg is a straight leg. This is referring to angels, and the sole of their foot is like a round foot. So they saw the imprint of the angel's foot that it struck him with. Um, in the college. So there are two versions of what happened to him. Just interestingly, why was he, his punishment that worms came out of his nose? So Rashi says, because if you, he's walking into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the first part that enters the Kodesh HaKadoshim is his nose. And he entered wrong. He was supposed to enter and then put the incense on the coals, but he was a Tziduki, he did it the other way around. So that's his nose. Tosos Shishon, him said, no, it's Mida Kenegin Mida, because he, obviously the Kohen Godel is going to smell the the Katoris. But here he smelt the Katoris when he shouldn't have. Outside the Kodesh HaKadoshim. He should have only made the incense burn when he was in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So that's the Midas, the Mida Kenegan Mida. And then Tosos asked, bring, uh, Tosos Yishani bring another interesting question. They say, but in the Yerushalmi it says, no, when the Kohen Godel was going to go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, no one was allowed in the courtyard. And no one includes angels. It's based on the Yerushalmi. So how could this angel go and kill him? If no one was allowed in the temple courtyard. So there's two possibilities. One, um, the more simple one, based on our version, it was already when the Kohen Godel had, this Kohen had, this Kohen Atziduki had come out of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Once he's come out of the Kohen Kodesh HaKadoshim, people, everyone's allowed back into the Chotzer. The other version is that no, this that no one's allowed in the Kodesh HaKadoshim is when it's part of the Yom Kippur, the correct Yom Kippur Avoida. When it's not part of the correct Yom Kippur Avoida, I is doing it out of order, well then it doesn't count as the Yom Kippur Avoida as the time when he's going into the Kodesh HaKadoshim that no one else is allowed there. And that's why the angel could be found there. Then it says, Omar Rabbi Zechariah ben Kavutal. I, Rabbi Zechariah ben Kavutal said, I used to read from the, from Sefer Daniel to the Kohen Godel to keep him up at night. He says, Mas nilo rav chanin barov, l'chia barav, kamid rav, rav 
Hanan by Rav was teaching Chia the son of Rav, and Rav was sitting there. Omar Rabbi Zechariah ben Kefutal, and Mech Vilay Rav Biyodei Kefutal. He said, Rabbi Zechariah ben Kefutal, and Rav signaled with his hands, Ay, it's a base, it's Kefutal, not Kefutal. Says Venaimalei Meimar. Why didn't Rav just tell him? Why did Rav signal with his hands? He says Kriyashma have a Rav was in the middle of Kriyashma. That's why he couldn't correct him by speaking. Says Oh, Vachi, I can't me. Sorry, you're telling me. Oh, so in the middle of Kriyashma you can do hand signals. Says Vaho Amar Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Shmuel Bar Mater Rabbi Yitzchak Bar Shmuel Bar Mater says Hakoreshma Lo Yirmuz Ba'ino Velo Yikroitz Bet Voisov Velo Yoyre Bet Voisov. If someone's in the middle of saying Shma, you shouldn't hint things with your eyes. I like wink or point with your eyes or mouth things you with your lips, mouth words with your lips, or point with your fingers. Vitanya Rebilazar Khasma Oimer and it was taught that Rebilazar Khasma said, Hakoreshma Murames Ba'inov Makarits Besvoisov Umare Beetzbo Olova Kosov Oimer the law of C Karosa Yaakov. Rebilazar Ben Yaakov says if someone does these signals while he's in the middle of Kriyashma, the Posuk says about him you didn't say Shema to me, Yaakov. It doesn't count as saying Kriyashma. So how could Rav signal, do a base, pronounce it with a base, when he was in the middle of Kriyashma? So the Gemara says, This, that you're not allowed to do any signals, is in the first paragraph. In the second paragraph, you would be allowed. As we know, Shema, we say Shema is based on three paragraphs. The first one, Shema Yisrael. The second one, Vahoyon Shemoah. During, according to this Gemara, it's a discussion in Brochas, which part is Doraisa and which part you have to have concentration for, etc. But the simple way of reading this Gemara is that for the first paragraph, you're not even allowed to hand signals or R signals or mouth words. You're not allowed to interrupt at all. From the second paragraph, granted, you can't speak, but you could mouth words. Um, then once you mention that, Tonurabonan, in the first paragraph it says you shall speak in them. So we're going to make a few droshes on speaking them, the words specifically in the words of, of Torah. Bom veloi bitfila. You should make your, you should speak, ah, you can say Kriyashma aloud, but you're not allowed to say your tfila, your amida aloud. This is an interesting discussion, and we know you're supposed to say the amida quietly. Rashi here, and this is, seems to be how the Ramoma Paskin seems to say that it has to be completely silently, that when you are saying the Amidah, all you're doing is mouthing the words. Shulchan Oruch Paskins, and the Groh seems to say that this is the correct understanding, even based on the Zohar. It's Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, so we should quote Zohar today. Um, it's the, the, the Hilula of Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, so we'll quote some Zohar. That's the Sefer that we say is authored by Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai. Um, so the, the Zohar also, the, the Groh says, even according to the Zohar, which many, many Kabbalists say the ideal way to say the Amidah is by just mouthing the words. The Groh comes along, the Vilna comes along and says in the name of the Zohar, even according to the Zohar, you must say it just loud enough that you can hear it in your ears. And that's the ideal way to say Tefillah, I mean, the minimum way that you should be davening or benching or saying brachas is that you can hear the words in your ears. By the brachas and kriyashma vidibartobom, you can say them aloud, but the amida you should say softly that you can just hear it in your ears. And interestingly enough, um, we also learn this out from Chana because Chana, it says that Chana was, um, Eli looked at her and saw she was moving her lips, but no sound was coming out. He couldn't hear what she was saying. That's why he thought she was drunk. Um, but that was that's the best way to daven.
Um, again, if you daven by just mouthing the words without any sound coming out, you, it seems you are yoytze, but that's not ideal. You should hear the words that you're saying. Um, another drosha, vidibarto bomb, you're allowed to speak words of Torah, but you don't really have permission to say other things. You should make your Torah the fixed thing and the other things are right. Oh, we live in this world. And we know that you often you're going to have to discuss business and you're going to have to discuss other things. There are things that come up. But with your kever, the primary, the fixed thing that you should be speaking is words of Torah. And everything else should be the temporary, the periphery. If someone speaks words of nonsense, uh, what's it, uh, pointless talk, he transgresses a positive commandment as the Torah says, You're speaking words of Torah and not other things. So you transgress that positive commandment of you should be speaking in words of Torah. Rav Acha Yaakov says you transgress a love. He actually says, it says all these words that call you, cause you to be tired, are these words of nothing that just go on and on. says, a person should not speak. Okay, um, so interesting. Obviously, there's a bit more to discuss, a lot more to discuss, but we'll leave it here for today. Um, have a very good Shabbos. Um,